Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 47 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. In 2006, Virginia Smith ended her 20-year career as a corporate director to become a full-time writer and speaker. Since then, she has published almost 40 novels, an illustrated children's book, and over 50 shorter works. Her books have received many honors, including two Holt Medallion Awards of Merit. She speaks frequently at conferences, retreats, schools, churches, and community events, and that's what we hope she'll do for Kentucky Humanity. She is a, uh, a new member of our Speakers Bureau and will be uh, taking the road soon, uh, we hope, uh, in those uh, areas that I spelled out, uh, schools, churches, community events. Virginia Smith, or Jenny, uh, as you prefer in, in light conversation, which we'll have today, welcome to the microphone. Well, thank you. It's, it's exciting to be here. I want to hear the story of your life. No, I want to hear the story of uh, possibly all of your life. But what what led you first of all to the to the corporate world and that uh, day that you woke up and said, "I don't want to do this anymore." Well, when I first started my career, I shortly after high school got married, started having children, so I had to go to school at night. And I had a job during the day, and I worked for a corporation as a secretary. I actually worked for Darden Restaurants, which was at that uh, that time the parent company for Red Lobster and the Olive Garden and some other restaurants. And they saw that I had a knack for computers. So the vice president actually approached me and said, hey, we'd like to fund your schooling if you will study computers and programming and come back and work for us. And I mean, heck, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I did. So I went to school. I lived in um, Central Florida at that point. I'd moved from Kentucky to Central Florida. So I went to the University of Central Florida and studied computer science. And so I kind of fell into the corporate world because, you know, out of necessity to work. But then I, I guess I was lucky. And maybe I had a knack, but I met some amazing people who gave me great opportunities. So over the course of years, I grew up in that company and then moved to Utah, Salt Lake City, was hired by another company who was implementing, they, they now are Xerox Corporation, but it was oh. a smaller company that, mm -hmm. um, that Xerox purchased. And they were implementing a piece of human resource software that I had developed an expertise in. Mm -hmm and because I'd gotten some experience. And then I came back to Kentucky. I worked for Long John Silvers Incorporated, went back to Florida because they contacted me and mm -hmm. wanted me, they were implementing this software again, and this was in a large scale. So they hired me to come back and lead an implementation team for that. And then Lexmark called me. So, you know, it was like yeah, kind of wow. a, I, I just had like one career. of those. Yeah, but it was, it was like, you know, wonderful encounters and lots of opportunities that I wouldn't have had um, had I not known this one software. So it was, it was pretty cool. So we came back to Lexmark because that is home. Yeah. I was born in Frankfurt mm -hmm. and I live in Frankfurt. My mom is in Danville mm -hmm. and, you know, I met my husband in Lexington. So I worked there. And all this time, I'm, some people will tell you they wanted to be a writer from the time they were in fifth grade mm -hmm. or fourth grade. And, you know, what? I never expected to be a writer. In fact, when I was in high school, 
I really loved history and I loved the law and I was going to be a lawyer. So, you know, then I got married and had children and the world was saved for, from yet another lawyer. Mm. But then I developed this knack for computers. But I've always loved to write since I was about 20 years old. I love to read my entire life and I've always loved science fiction and fantasy. And I was in a, my early 20s working as a computer programmer and I read this story in a, a magazine, a short story, and I thought, well, that wasn't very well done. I can do better than that, right? So I did. Mm-hmm. I wrote a short story and I sent it into that magazine and I thought it was brilliance. I thought it was Pulitzer material. Yeah. We've all been there. Oh yeah. Well, the editor rejected it in something short of the speed of light, I'm yeah. telling you. Uh, but what he did, and I didn't know because I'd never submitted anything. I, I never even studied writing. Um, he wrote a personal note on there and, and said, you know, I hope you'll send something again. Well, I was just devastated. And so I didn't, I didn't send anything for a long time and I didn't tell anybody, but I loved writing. So I kept writing for years and years. Over 20 years I'm writing and after a while, I got with another group of writers, a critique group, and this is when we were living in Utah, in Salt Lake City, and they encouraged me to begin sending my work in. And again, it was all fantasy or science fiction. And so I start collecting rejection letters. And see, now on the back end of my publishing career, well, hopefully I'm still in the middle of my publishing career, but now I can tell you that I got 147 rejection letters before my first publication. But you don't talk about that when you're collecting them because it's just too depressing. So eventually I sold a novel and interested a publisher in that and the book was getting ready to come out. I landed an agent and then sold another novel on proposal to um, Harlequin, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a big giant publisher. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I at this point were living in two separate states. He was still in Utah and I was in Kentucky. And this had gone on for quite a while because we had two homes and he was close to retirement and I wasn't. And um, he said one day, you know, we got to stop this back and forth thing. If we're going to be married, we probably need to live in the same house, which is a good idea, I think. Um, so one of us has got to quit work and I'm going to be able to retire in a couple of years and you're a long way away. So why don't you quit and write full time? And I went, where do I sign? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. I call him my patron of the arts. Oh my goodness. Because yeah. it takes a while to establish mm-hmm. a steady income yeah. in any new business. Mm-hmm. And writing, launching a writing mm-hmm. career is a new business. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the lucky ones. I get to do and, what I love. And when was that? How long ago? Was that 2006? 2006. Yeah. Yep. You didn't look back and you've never missed the corporate world? I wouldn't say I'd don't miss it hmm. occasionally well now I guess I'm I'm you know I've become accustomed to my life now but at first now understand I was a director mm-hmm. and I had multiple levels mm-hmm. of people under me I had a team of you know close to 70 people with managers and supervisors writing is a lonely profession it is a lonely profession and I was accustomed to being able to you know have a staff mm-hmm. meeting and say wow, we probably want to have this done. And, you know, I'd like to have it done by Friday. And people jumped up and did it. And I get home and I say to my husband, wow, the dishes really need to be washed pretty soon. And he would say, "Uh, you better get busy then. He did not take my delegation very well. So it was really difficult to get used to 
you know, having a solitary life, number yeah. one, mm-hmm. me and my office mm-hmm. and my computer, mm-hmm. and not having anybody to delegate to. <laughs> well, you know, in a, in a, in a way, this is a, a little bit far afield, but it's similar to what people go through in, um, well, it was retirement for you, but so many people retire you felt like you could create something else uh, besides just washing the dishes. You had right. this writing thing that you wanted to to continue. So many people retire and don't have that, and they're the ones that really go through a, I guess, a depression. Yes, in some cases, that's absolutely yeah, true. You can just you know you can just play so much golf or wash so many dishes. Uh, Jenny, uh, it's fascinating. That part of your life is is fascinating and. Uh, quite honestly, I don't know um, where to zero in first. Uh, on, I'd like to talk to you about uh, your novel writing, your short stories, uh, the genre that you're writing in. Uh, I want to hear about uh, the fantasy, the world <laughs> fantasy convention, uh, and, and all of that. So let's just uh, try to try to begin at the beginning as far as your writing career is concerned, and okay. what led you. Uh, thank goodness to Kentucky Humanities and being on our Speakers Bureau. Um, what were the, the, the first two novels uh, that you just told me about, uh, one that Harlequin uh, picked up, or both? Did they go, both go to Harlequin? They did not. Okay. My first novel was with a small Christian publisher called Kriegel Publications. They are mm-hmm. family-run. They're, um, they're small when you compare them to a Harlequin or someone like that, but they're a very well-respected mm-hmm. Christian publisher. Yeah. So what, what genre were you writing in, in, in at the very beginning, which may be the what, what you wrote yesterday. I, I want to find that out too. Not necessarily. My first book was Christian fiction, and it was in a genre called chick lit. And remember, this is in 2005. It, it was right when Bridget Jones' diary and that kind of, you know, snarky first-person character humor was really popular. And I read at that much at that point I pretty much read exclusively science fiction and fantasy because I loved it. I did not know that Christian publishing existed except for some, you know, like Beverly Lewis or or um, uh, Christy Miller, yeah. I think the Christy so, Miller stories. Let me just interrupt and ask you, what is Christian fiction? Christian fiction is fiction that has a Christian or spiritual element woven seamlessly into the plot. It is, and it doesn't necessarily these days have to have a Christian element or a spiritual element. It's fiction that is written from the worldview and perspective of a Christian audience. So in other words, it's not going to have anything that might offend Christian sensibilities. Um, it usually doesn't include things like you know tarot cards or uh, magic realism or anything like that. some of the stuff that I like in the fantasy genre. But, and it also doesn't have a lot of violence, gratuitous violence or gore or, sex or, you know, inappropriate kind of references like that. Uh, Cursing language? Never. Absolutely not. I got to tell you a story. Okay, and I'll get back to to my my two in a minute, but you got to hear this story. The second book that I wrote was for Harlequin, right? Well, Harlequin is known for their steamy, sexy, bodice ripper romance stories, right? I was picked up by an imprint of Harlequin called Love Inspired, and that is 
their Christian imprint. So they had a bunch of, of um, and then they still do, they go very well. And I've sold a lot of books to them, published a lot of books through the Love Inspired and Love Inspired Suspense. So Harlequin, in their Love Inspired Suspense line, they wanted to be able to market to Christian bookstores like Lifeway and Family Christian Stores at that time, which is sadly no longer mm-hmm. in existence. Mm-hmm. But those bookstores were very, very particular about the kind of books that they would carry. And they would not carry anything that even hinted at inappropriateness that might offend the sensibilities of their Christian patrons, which I can understand. So. My first book through Harlequin was a cozy mystery called Murder by Mushroom. Mm -hmm. And it was set in for sales, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. actually. And in it, a a young woman who is kind of a kitchen klutz decides to impress everybody at her church by making a casserole and taking it to the church potluck. And so she does. But unknowingly, unbeknownst to her, someone plants poisonous mushrooms in her casserole to kill a gossipy old church lady. Mm. So at one point, all the church ladies are in the house of the deceased woman and they're going through her belongings trying to decide what to send to Goodwill and what to keep for the church um, bazaar, what to sell. And one lady pulls out an iron skillet and she said, hey, this will make a good sale. Let's put this in the church bazaar. And another lady says, oh, I don't know. I've heard you're not supposed to cook with iron because it adds iron to your food. And the woman says, oh, Gee, I have an iron skillet. I wonder if that's what's keeping Jim plugged up. <laughs> I thought it was a great line. Yeah. My editor at Harlequin crossed it out and says, Jenny, we do not want to refer to constipation. It might offend oh, someone. Goodness gracious. I mean, so that is how particular that line of Harlequin was. Is it still was. like that today? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. They will not. I, in the, that line, I couldn't say darn or dang i couldn't even do like like substitute swear words but the funny thing about of course she was a she was a really fabulous editor and she was a new york person and um so when i changed it instead i changed i took out plugged up and i had the character say i wonder if that's what's got jim off his feed now anybody from Kentucky yeah. who knows horses knows that sure. we're still referring yeah. to constipation. But my editor didn't know that, and that's what was printed in oh the final book. Isn't gracious. that funny? Well, that's a giant leap from Fifty Shades of Grey or, <laughs> oh, yes. or anything that uh, my friend J.R. Ward writes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that, that's that's fascinating. So that's what got you started, and and how long did you sort of uh, zero in on on that genre before? you thought maybe you could write something else. We, we talked a minute ago, and all of this fits into Christian fiction or clean, uh, as you have told me. Uh, clean is is a subgenre or is the genre? I mean, is are, are they interchangeable? Clean is, a, they're not interchangeable. Oh. Clean is, is a description okay. um, of, of fiction that is not, doesn't have graphic sex scenes mm-hmm. or overt sensuality mm-hmm. or offensive language. Mm-hmm. That's basically, that's considered a clean and wholesome mm-hmm. book. Right now, for the last several years of my career, I seem to be getting contracts for a lot of mysteries, cozy mysteries that'll have humor. Um, and actually, I just signed a contract for five books for romantic suspense, mm-hmm. but they're called Sweet Intrigue. That's the name of the mm-hmm. line because they want them to be clean, romantic suspense. So, I mean, it's pretty, uh, 
there's a theme going here. Everything, <laughs> everything that you've written has been clean. I would say most things that I've written have been clean, just because that's what I like to read as yeah. well. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't read Fifty Shades of Grey because right. that's just not where my interests yeah. gravitate. So, but um, I did publish a book several years ago, and it was biblical fiction, but it had a science fiction and fan, fantasy element. So it was called The Days of Noah, uh-huh. and. It had it, it didn't have anything that I thought was offensive, but I got an email from one of my readers who has read everything I've ever, and she always, always sends me an email to tell me how much she likes this book. And she got to that book, and she read it, and it was very different from anything I've written before because it's science fiction and fantasy. And she emailed me and said, I cannot believe I turned the page and read this in a Virginia Smith book. Oh, oh I will never finish this book. Oh. I was so disappointed. It was, and it wasn't graphic, but it was a... Um, it was a scene. I don't want to give anything away because it's a really cool scene. But it was a scene. Well, you don't have to. But it was <laughs> a scene where um, the society basically uses children and um, in a ways to yeah. to uh, that isn't what Accepting. we would hope yeah. that okay. our society yeah. would, would come to. Um, well. Um, that was a certainly a loyal reader. Oh, uh, she and she still reads my books. But you know, I'm just looking on your uh, your resume, which is just terrific. And, and um, associations and memberships, uh, you were. Uh, I want to talk about world fantasy in just a minute. But okay. but all of these other, uh, for example, I can understand the American Christ and fiction writers. That's that's clean and that's Christian uh, fiction. You got an award there, the Carol Award mm-hmm. contest. Uh, the Genesis Contest Judge, mm-hmm. you did, but then there's Romance Writers of America and Mystery Writers of, uh, of America. So when you, I mean, don't don't you and um, I, I don't want to to again choose. Uh, I don't know the the genre that well. I do know J.R. Ward, and and, and right. she's in Louisville and and, and prolific writer uh, of these graphic I romance like her books too. Not novels. Yeah. But I was just going to say, do you and and J.R. Ward. Uh, both belong to the Romance Writers of America, and, yes. and, and and so that and then we, when you get to the convention floor, she goes one way and you go the other. Is that the way it works? At RWA, pretty much anything goes, okay? Yeah. Because RWA is romance, and romance is, by the way, the biggest, most prolific selling genre of fiction ever. It always is. It always will be. And so you have romance novels that are erotica and you have romance novels that are, you know, just straight romance. I've written some straight romance novels mm-hmm. that are just, it's a love story. It's a, a, a story between a man and a woman and they yeah. are romance. So you do have um, all kinds of romance novels. And then you have some of my books. Most of my books have a romantic element in them, but they're not just romance. The plot focuses on a different aspect of fiction. Well, uh, a moment ago, you were sort of describing Christian fiction and, and what's uh, not included in it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, for example, you said uh, graphic details of, uh, of crime or something like that. You wouldn't go... Right. Uh, it just uh, strikes me that a lot of writing instructors would tell you that you have to have conflict. Uh, you, you, you have to, your novel builds to a crescendo and uh, there has to be 
uh, a bad guy and a good guy or, uh, or a, a, a woman who is betrayed, you know, all of that conflict. Absolutely. And you've done that too, but you've done it cleanly. Is that, is that, uh, that's, that's a fair statement. And also remember that it isn't, that isn't necessarily just what Christian fiction is. I write clean mysteries that don't have a Christian element in it. It's just that I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about blood dripping from wherever, or I don't, in most cases, show the crime. Mm -hmm. Or if I do, I will hint at it. I will have someone be there and suddenly they're, they're, feel something tighten around their throat and mm-hmm. they can't breathe and then end mm-hmm. of chapter and mm-hmm. we go on to the next mm-hmm. one. So I'm not going to go into mm-hmm. you know graphic details. That's just clean fiction. Mm-hmm. And absolutely every book has to have conflict. You know, when I teach writing, I tell people, trust me, if, if your character is going along and happy and nothing terrible ever happens to them, that is a boring book. We want conflict. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of a well-plotted novel. Mm-hmm. So um, that's sort of the, uh, the the Christian fiction romance uh, genre that you, <laughs> that you write in. Now I want to make this this uh, leap to to fantasy okay. and to I- explain to to me and to listeners who who might not read uh, fantasy novels but are aware of the sort of on the periphery of how huge this. Uh, this industry is uh, movies and 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 books and conventions and all of this. So, how did you sort of morph into the to the fantasy world? Well, it's funny. I feel like I came full circle when I first started writing. That's what I wrote because I love to read fantasy, and I still love to read fantasy. And so, I found I quickly found a convention, a membership organization called the World Fantasy convention that is the membership organization for professionals within the fantasy industry both literature and artwork there there's a, mm-hmm. a you know an equal focus on mm-hmm. fantasy art and fantasy art is huge by the way um, and so is fantasy literature well i joined this organization because it was so professional and you know i was working in the corporate world and i was very comfortable with that professionalism and I made a lot of contacts and met a lot of people. And then when I ended up selling, I ended up selling in a totally different genre. When I my first book, like I said, was chiclet, and it had a Christian theme. And then I got into clean mysteries, and and so you know my career just kind of developed from there. But I never stopped reading fantasy, and fantasy has the fantasy genre has. Um, has really expanded from back the days when I was first trying to break into the fantasy genre. Because, I mean, now you have George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones series, and that is considered epic fantasy. And you have Terry Brooks' um, Shannara series. And I know people are going to say, no, it's Shannara. But you mm. know what? I talked to Terry mm. Brooks last weekend at mm. a convention, and he says it's Shannara. Mm. So, I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going with him. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got Brent Weeks, who is doing fantasy. You've got all kinds of New York Times bestselling authors that are producing some fabulous stories that are set not necessarily on Earth, mm-hmm. or at least not the Earth that we mm-hmm. recognize. They may be set in another land. They may be set um, on Earth, but have a magical element of some sort, mm-hmm. and that is fantasy. And 
What's the World Fantasy Convention uh, like uh, to be there? And and now you're sort of uh, in a position to put it together. It was really crazy because a few years ago, although I had been a member of the World Fantasy Convention, this was back in the 1990s, okay, for six years or so. And the conv- they get together once a year for a convention that lasts four days, and it's in a different city around the world because it is the World mm-hmm. Fantasy Convention. And when I was, I was in... London in 1998, I think it was, in um, and met. Oh my gosh, I met some fabulous writers, some of my all time, some of my idols, you know. Um, and then when I sold in in you know a different genre, I stopped going to that convention and and started focusing on the American Christian fiction writers and um, mm-hmm. romance writers of America and so on because that's where mm-hmm. I was I was making contacts there. Mm-hmm. But a few years ago, you know, I just missed the professionalism of that close-knit group, the World Fantasy Convention. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go back. And I went to a convention. It was in um, Columbus a couple of years ago, a few years, four years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the head of the board of directors, his name was David Hartwell. He was also the president of Tor Publishing, which is a huge science fiction and fantasy publisher. And I got to talking to him, and we, at that point, I was living in Salt Lake City, and we had our, our locations on our name badges. And so, um, standing there talking to him, this is how this convention works. I mean, it's you're all the pros are there. Yeah. And he says, Salt Lake City, you know, we've never been to Salt Lake City. You should put in a bid to run a convention there. And I went, I laughed. I mm-hmm. said, I don't do that. I'm a writer. I, I've never run a convention in my life. I wouldn't know what to do. He said, don't worry about it. You know, I'll sign you a mentor. I'll help you. Why don't you come to the board meeting on mm-hmm. Sunday? So mm-hmm. at the end of the convention, I went and I sat on the outskirts of the room as the board's meeting. And when the board meets, after it's over, he says, okay, now let's get an update from the Salt Lake City bid. I about fell out of my mm-hmm. chair. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm pretty good on my feet. <laughs> I stood up and I just talked a little bit about Salt Lake City. And Salt Lake City does have, Utah itself has a huge saturation of fantasy and science fiction writers. Brandon Sanderson's there. Shannon Hale is there. I mean, just a ton of really well-known David Farland, you know, well-known writers. So I started talking about this. And the next thing I know, I've been commissioned to go forth and, you know, find a hotel and find a venue and put together a bid. So, you know, maybe it was my corporate background. Because, you know, this really was, it was a huge presentation. And that's what I used to do in mm-hmm. the corporate world. And it's building a team that can execute and, I've, mm-hmm. you know, building a committee. So I got back and I got really into it and, you know, started contacting venues and, you know, connecting with people who knew what they were doing because I didn't. And in February that year, David Hartwell died. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was devastating mm-hmm. to the entire fantasy industry. It was doubly devastating to me because he was my yeah. mentor and now I was sucked in. Yeah. And the following year, I made my presentation and mm. uh, you could have knocked me over with a mm. feather when the board said, yes, we'll come to Salt Lake. Wow. So now I am mm-hmm. on, the, on the board mm-hmm. for the World Fantasy Convention. I'm a mm-hmm. member of the board of directors and I'll be running the convention in 2020 mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City. In Salt Lake. In Although I live in Kentucky now. Yeah. But, yeah. but well, it's not that not that far. <laughs> well, not when you consider that's that what you were doing out west when I tried to contact you. Maybe that's I don't exactly. Know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, you are, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking to Virginia Smith, uh, Jenny Smith, uh, who has an extraordinary uh, background and resume. Uh, 
we can talk about the corporate world, uh, but I'll have to let her tell you about that. Or you can go back <laughs> to the beginning of the uh, podcast and listen. No, she's a writer and a very prolific in, in so many areas. And uh, you, you uh, I just was noticing, too, your your the talks uh, that you can uh, you're you're well equipped to deliver uh, a lot of different uh, types of uh, presentations to to the uh, people that uh, might uh, uh, hire you writing funny fiction writing Christian novels uh, focusing on the here and now elements of the story I mean it, it you just uh, you can cover it but for Kentucky Humanities I guess you could have chosen any of those right. and 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 would have been accepted but let me just read a little bit of the blurb uh, from our website. That's kyhumanities.org is where you can go to and, uh, and book Virginia Smith for one of your events. Uh, uh, in writing, uh, she writes uh, about humor and fiction. It's no joke. Uh, and she's really uh, talking to people and audiences about the, the anatomy of a joke, humor devices, effective humor in sp- uh, specific fiction elements. And... Uh, we've all been told as writers and speakers uh, that humor is the toughest thing to write and try to pull off, and uh, a lot of us are fool enough to try it anyway in front of a group. And then she's also uh, going to speak uh, for us and for herself uh, in a, a talk called Mythbusters, What I've Learned as a Career Writer. So just a, a real quick uh, snippet, if you would, please. Let's just start with that, that one. What have you learned as a career writer? That talk is one that is really popular because I talk to groups about things that I did not understand. Mm-hmm. That I, I, I had an idea of what I thought a career writer was and a profession as a writer was. And remember, I'm coming from the corporate background. And then after you sign that first contract and you start going through the process, you discover that nothing is the way you thought it was. Um, For instance, one of the things that is always eye-opening to anybody who's listening is the writer does not get to choose the cover art or the title of their own book. And so I do a lot of talking about, you know, here's what I thought it was going to be called. Here's what I envisioned the art department Mm -hmm. would would Mm -hmm. come up with, and this is what Mm -hmm. I ended up with. Mm -hmm. So that one's always really Mm -hmm. interesting. And I also walk through the process of publishing and give people an inside look at the publishing business and the publishing industry, because publishing is a business. So this wouldn't just be for a writing audience. There, There are a lot of people who could attend this and learn something from you? Actually, I've, I don't know that I've ever even given it to a writing audience, hmm. maybe once. No, community groups love this. I've given it to optimist clubs. Mm-hmm. I've given it to schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that always surprises teachers mm-hmm. and students, I, I love talking to high school students, or um, I've even spoken at Murray State University mm-hmm. and Western Kentucky mm-hmm. University, mm-hmm. is I say, you know, you can study writing, study creative writing, That that's fine, but don't kill me, Mr. English teacher. My advice to you, student, is study business. Mm. You need to focus on business because you've got to understand that being a writer, you're producing one, you're producing a product. You are one small cog Mm. in a giant industry, and you have to understand how to produce a marketable product, Mm -hmm. how to give the people that are going to sell it the tools they need to sell it, and just what your role is in this giant process. So I 
I strongly believe that one of the reasons I've been successful is my corporate background, my business background. I understand the industry. Um, the other talk, uh, it, it is difficult to, to, uh, to write humor, but uh, you, you've mastered it somehow. What, <laughs> to tell us about uh, humor and fiction, it's no joke. I tell you what, I don't know that anybody can actually master it because one thing <laughs> that we have to keep in mind is humor is individual and it's completely subjective. So what I think of as funny is not what you think of as funny. It may not be. So one thing that I that I urge is I, I tell people, stick with the kind of humor that you enjoy. There is no way you are ever gonna write a joke or a piece of humor that everybody's gonna think is funny. It will not happen. One of the examples I use is, one of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride. Mm. And so, and you know, that's a, mm -hmm. it's almost a subculture here, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But there's one scene in The Princess Bride where Wesley, you know, our hero, is trying to rescue Buttercup and he's sitting across a table from Vizzini. Mm -hmm. And Vizzini has kidnapped her and there's two goblets mm -hmm. in front of them. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're across a stump, they're actually mm -hmm. on a tree stump. And Vizzini knows that Wesley has put poison in one of them. Hmm. And so he's trying to figure out which one it's in. And he goes through this long monologue. Well, you might have put it in the one in front of me, thinking I would take that, but you know I'm not an idiot. So you would have put it in the one in front of you, knowing that I would figure it out. So I will take that one. But wait, you know that I'm going to do that. And so he's going yeah. through this. And I am literally rolling on the floor mm -hmm. laughing. Mm -hmm. And I look over at my husband, who sitting on the couch yeah. with his arms crossed and yeah. he's like how could you think that's funny and I say <laughs> I how could you not think that's yeah. funny so yeah. you've just got to understand uh -huh. there are many forms of uh -huh. humor and one thing I do in that workshop is I literally break down here's the anatomy of a joke mm -hmm. here's how you do it and then I go through a bunch of different humor devices mm -hmm. and just urge people don't try to set out to write a hilarious book that's going to appeal mm -hmm. to everybody because you're going to fail. Just write one that you think is funny. Who's the funniest writer you've ever read? Ever read? Um, okay, remember my fantasy yeah. you know, background. I love Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Yeah. He's totally just hysterically off the wall, weird, and he's British, so he has a little bit of that British, or he was. He's passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. I'll tell you one I've read recently that I absolutely would have to stop reading to laugh is Frederick Backman's A Man Called Uva. Hmm. Oh my gosh, he is fabulous. He's, mm -hmm. he's, um, he's, fr it's from Denmark, I believe, or Sweden. He's mm -hmm. Swedish. It, it is a fabulous book. And that, that's not, that's, that's not a movie now, is it's, it? It's, it is a movie oh, okay. with, with English subtitles, but yeah. they're making a, okay. an American film version oh. and Tom Hanks is going to be, really? play the main character. He yes. plays, he plays everybody. I can't wait. That days. is, I'm telling yeah. you, it is one of the funniest books yeah. I have ever read. Well, Virginia Smith, a delight uh, to have you here on the podcast. You're going to be at the Kentucky Book Festival in November uh, on the 16th. Uh, our Kentucky Book Fair Day out at the uh, Kentucky Horse Park Alltech Arena. So I know you'll have uh, a long line of people uh, wanting to talk with you and meet with you. And uh, and then uh, as a member of the Speakers Bureau, you are available, as I mentioned earlier, to church groups and any group of schools, uh, civic uh, organizations. And uh, all you have to do there is to go to kyhumanities.org. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Bill. I really enjoyed talking with you. 
Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 47 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.